Here we go, part two with Joel Turner. You know, people want to know, does it work? Right. And I will tell them all the time, it doesn't work. Right. right. It doesn't yeah. work for you. You got to work for it. Yeah. You got to know how to do the work. So that's what, you know, the difference is. And that's, you know, people want to hear from folks that have been through the program. Right. Instead of just me talking about it all the time. So, instead of these bad boys. <laughs> well, you want to hear yourself out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr. And today, I have the honor to be sitting with Joel Turner, the Oracle, <laughs> as his uh, hunting partner calls him. <laughs> A question I have selfishly is, you know, you kind of touched on it before, but getting into the pocket with these elk, you know, you've you've located them, you, you're you've called them in. Mm-hmm. Do you use a mantra? Do you use something to? Uh, you, you taught me about combat breathing, mm-hmm. which has changed the game for me. You know, I've suffered from target panic, and we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, buck fever, bull fever, whatever. And just that that four seconds uh, in the nose, four seconds out, mm-hmm. getting that heart rate down has been a game changer for me. But I still get fidgety and screw it up when I get in that pocket. Do you have any advice for a guy like me that uh, is getting to that point but still seems to find a way to throw it away? So when you you really got to analyze what is happening to to you when you are in that pocket, right? Because you start to, the, the subconscious always is always trying to get you to be more efficient, right? right? They're in range. Right, they're in range. Oh my God, this is happening. But you have to practice making your decisions, right? And to make decisions, you have to be cognitive. You have to be able to think. To be able to think, you can't have your heart rate too high, right? That's where that combat breathing comes in, in through the nose for four, hold for four, out through the mouth for four, hold for four. That All that does is get the heart at a rate that you can still remain cognitive and make decisions. And, you know, in talking about the decisions, I see a lot of people that are going on hunts with no plan on how they're going to shoot that shot, right? Right. But when you know exactly what decisions you're going to make, specifically when to make them and scientifically how to carry them out, that is very calming information, right? Like I know when I go on my Idaho elk hunt this year, I know that when I get a shot, I will shoot a controlled arrow or I won't shoot it, right? right? So it's being able to predict your own future in your shot control. You can't predict whether you're going to hit that bull perfectly or not, but you can dang sure predict that you're going to shoot a controlled arrow, right? And so and you're teaching this besides to uh, in these hunting clinics, but this is what you do for a job. You're, you're teaching people, I mean, these elk don't have guns, but you're teaching people how to uh, be in the pocket with bad guys. Right, right. Um, and so uh, that's got to translate. It does. It trans- it's just adrenaline. It's just an adrenaline-driven event. All adrenaline makes us do is kind of lose our minds and rely on physical training, right? And hopefully go into this autopilot. Well, in precision shooting, which almost all bow shooting, if it's not aerial targets or moving targets, it's a precision shot and it requires decisions. So, you know, when you know that as that bull's coming in, you're doing your combat breathing to keep your heart rate down. And you know that when it actually comes to the shot, you know that you're going to make your original decision, 
right? The original decision is this. I will shoot this shot perfectly or I will not shoot it at all. I mean, you think about the, the shots that you've shot here on the range or at Critters. That's where most people fail. They don't make the original decision. They just draw their bow back and hope that it goes well. Yeah. Well, there's nothing out there that's going to help you, right? Yeah, hope's going to get you nowhere. Right. You have to make this original decision. And again, very specifically, it's I will shoot this shot perfectly or I will not shoot it at all. It's not that you step up there and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to smoke this one, right? Or this is going to be a 10 ring. That's not, that's results talk, right? That's right. future speak. Right. You have to be in the present. And when you say that to yourself, when you say, I'm going to shoot this arrow perfectly or I'm not going to shoot it, you start that shot with options. Right. Right? Uh, on the range, you were working with a young man today. I know he must have been just like me when you were working with me. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do that this time. Yeah. I, I hope I can do that this time. Right. Um, and so. And it's the completely wrong mindset. And, and I hope people don't take offense to this, but this is where I see people fail. This is where I failed for years, right? It was that one, and I, you know, I've, I've been on quite a few podcasts, and I always talk about that hog in South Texas as my first time ever of making decisions in my shot, making decisions within my shot, right? And if you know what's coming, if you know that your mind, if you know when it's going to try to shift you to autopilot, it's much easier to counteract, right? So that's when I talk about the original decision. I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or not at all. So you instantly start that shot with options, right? And that in itself is very calming. The next decision is made as soon as you start to draw your bow back, right? When you put movement into your, into your shot, that's when you say to yourself, or when I say to myself, I'm going to do this right. right. And that makes me intensely present once again. Right, yeah. so now that that decision that I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna do this right, that you're, gets me through job number one. Right, and you're telling yourself this. Absolutely, yeah. right, especially in high stress events. Right. So, that second, the second decision is made at half draw. I call it the half draw moment. moment. Mm -hmm. Right, and then finally, that that will get you through job number one. That'll get you to anchor and aim and get the sight picture that you need. But it doesn't carry you all the way through. Autopilot's coming with a freight train, right? He's coming at the last moment of that shot, and that's where you have to make another decision, and that's that critical second. It's, you know, when you think about when you've shot rushed shots, you have fired that arrow within one second of you believing the aim is complete. And that that's the difference of open loop and closed loop. Right. right and that's there. yeah. And closing that loop, that's that's the spot where uh, you make that decision or you don't. Yep. And if you don't have that in your sequence, right. if you don't, it's, it, the shot's just going to happen yeah. and it's going to be good or bad. Yeah. And, you know, if you know, again, when to make these decisions, that one second after you believe the aim is complete is the make or break point, right? Absolutely. So instead of firing that arrow within that one second, fill it. It's powerful. Fill the one second with the words, I say to myself, here I go. Here I go. And that is such a huge separating point. I don't care what you do in your, I mean, I do care, but if you've got this shot process that you like, if you don't shoot with a psycho trigger, if you do shoot with a psycho trigger, whatever, if you can keep those jobs separate, you will 
improve exponentially as an archer in extreme stress situations. So the three decisions, the original decision, I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or I'm not going to shoot it at all. Right. The second one, the half draw moment, I'm going to do this right. And third and final, autopilot always takes three knockout hits to really knock him out. That third one comes in the critical second. Here I go. Here I go. And, you know, that has been, I shot that, sh- that perfect shot in 2008. 2009, I killed two bulls with my bow. Neither one of those was a perfectly controlled shot. Got through job one, not job two, right? Job number two is to put your concentration into the movement that makes your bow go off, right? And I knew how to do that in 2009, but I didn't. I still killed these two bulls, and most people are like, oh, well, you still killed the bulls. But it didn't mean as much to me because I didn't control my shot. Right. It was like the the guy on the course today who would hit the ten ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, come to full draw, but I still hit the ten ring. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great it, for it, right now yeah, for the right. moment. It means everything to me to be in control because of my job, right? As yeah. a as a law enforcement sniper, I can't screw that up. Yeah, right? we we work so hard to get these shots in the right, woods. Right. Right. So. And Running around the woods as an open looper didn't get me nowhere fast. Right. <laughs> Let me tell right. you. Uh, let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, share with us what it, before you figured this out, you struggled for how long? Oh, forever. I mean, it took me 13 years to kill a bull elk with my bow, right? right? So 2008, I shot a perfect shot, but I didn't realize how I did it. 2009, I killed two bulls with my bow. Didn't realize the difference in those two shots. Still killed the bull. 2010, shot a 41-yard shot with my longbow, completely controlled, smoked this bull, X-ringed him at 41 yards of my longbow, right? Didn't realize how I did it. Didn't take the time to analyze it, right? Right. 2011, kill another bull with my longbow. So did, you're, you're on a run, but you uh, could have easily fallen off this run. Right. And went back on another 10-year stretch. I've seen guys do it. Right, right. So 2011, I kill another bull with my longbow. Got through job one, not job two. 2012, again, kill another bull with my longbow. Job one, not job two. 2013, kill two bulls with my longbow. Neither I got through job one on both of those. Neither one of them was perfectly controlled. 2014, I kill another bull with my longbow, or my recurve, and was not a perfectly controlled shot on the back half. Kill a buck, big blacktail buck, uh, in 2014. Eight yards out of my tree stand, heart shoot this thing. And as he's running away, I'm like, doggone it, I did it again. I did not get through my shot. And as I'm standing there in the tree stand, after I watched this buck run away, I shot him right in the heart. It's He's going down. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I not get through my, at the time, shooting at grips here? Why did I not get through that on that particular shot? And that's when I started to remember, what was it about that shot in 2008? Well, that one, I, as that hog's coming, I said, I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or I'm not going to shoot it at all. But the first time I drew my bow back on that hog, I didn't make those other decisions. But the cool thing about that one hog in 2008 is I let that shot down. And then when I drew my bow back again, I did my half-draw moment and my critical second. I said, as I'm drawing my bow back, I'm going to do this right. And then when I got that aim, finally got a perfect aim on a critter, I said, here we go, or here I go, right? And that's reminded me to get through my clicker and how to actually do that. Right. 2009, I didn't make those decisions. 2010, I made that decision again. I did the exact thing that I did in 2008. 
I remember specifically drawing back on that bow. I know that I had to hold my point 18 inches over that bull's back at 41 yards. I knew that. And I did that. As I'm drawing my bow back, I'm going to do this right. I put that point where it needed to be. Here I go. And I started my mantra. I started my concentration and my movement through my clicker. Clicker goes off and I smoked him, right? 2011, I didn't make those decisions. Yeah. 2012, didn't make them. 13, 14, didn't make those decisions. But luckily, I'd had that success in 8 and in 10. And now, there's no way you can make me shoot an uncontrolled arrow because I know what decisions to make, when to make them, and how to carry them out. And I've shot quite a few critters since 2014, and they have all 100% been completely controlled arrows, front half and back half. Yeah. I gave you the call 2016. Uh, I think it was around... I think I first called you in November, and I was blacktail hunting, and I was like, I want to get together after this. And you of, were of 15, I think. Yeah, 15. Yeah. And you were like... Um, yeah, you need to come. We need to do this now. I said, oh, I'm hunting right now. You're like, you can't afford not to do this now. <laughs> and I didn't, and I regret it because, mm-hmm. you know, I missed a big blacktail buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the first one. Mm-hmm. It would do all this work, sit in these tree stands forever, whatever. Right, and then, right. So when I finally got together with you, I got a good understanding of it, and I got the, f- the front half, mm-hmm. and things were going better. Mm-hmm. We were out elk hunting together, and... I think we just got on a herd and mm-hmm. the wind had boogered right, up and right. this little bull got away and we we're going to eat some lunch at the tailgate and there was a pop can out there and I'd, I've already shot plenty of arrows with you and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm comfortable or whatever. Well, you were over there getting in my head and and uh, I got back to just getting locked under target. Mm-hmm. I got uh, into not using my mantra um, and I started uh, doing this whole Im- immersive aiming. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit that little pop can from 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I shot that shot and the clicker didn't go off mm-hmm. and you were like, <laughs> and, and I threw my bow and I've never done that. You, and you're like, Oh, you're a bow thrower. <laughs> I, it, but that was, uh, that was the turning point right mm-hmm. there. Uh, yep. you talk about the turning point. Right. And, um, I could say the turning point was before I came when I missed this critter or that, mm-hmm. but the turning point was shooting at a pop can uh, with JT in my head, right? I, I realized that the loop was still open, mm-hmm. and I knew that I needed to, uh, I needed to be fully committed, mm-hmm. and I'm going to shoot a perfect arrow, or I'm not going to shoot one at all. Right. And I remember I drew back and I let down, and I drew back and I let down. And you're like, "Well, that's great, but you need to shoot this shot. You know, you need right. to, you know." And it, it took a. It took something, you know. I had to really calm myself you had to down. Get, you had to get to a point where you were pissed off enough right. to make a decision. Right. Right. That shooting an arrow perfectly requires work, right? And that's where, again, people fail at that point because they don't, maybe they don't want to work or whatever. But, you know, in all those shots, you had you had gained this control, but you didn't know how you and, did and, it. And I could let down... If my sight picture wasn't good, or I mm-hmm. could let down if something distracted me, but once it was time to go, that critical second, mm-hmm. I was committed, mm-hmm. and and it was realizing that, and and having that uh, control of of my shot, mm-hmm. 
it's a game changer. I mean, today we were up on the course, mm-hmm. and you may not even notice it. You didn't notice it, but you, you were uh, helping a young man on the course mm-hmm. and in our group, and Clay had just joined our group. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd first time I met Clay, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, one of my other heroes. Right. Right. So I'm trying to listen to you talk to Clay, mm-hmm. and, and then it's my turn to shoot. And I caught myself not using the mantra. Mm-hmm. I caught myself back in there in, in the critical second. And uh, I let down. Mm-hmm. Again, I let down, and I was—I mean, I was right there where normally mm-hmm. I was going to chuck one over that target, under sure. that target, and uh, you know, it feels amazing to have that control over my shot. That everything's lined up, sight picture's good, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that uh, it—it's not right, mm-hmm. and it. It's it's gonna save me huge in the elk woods. It already has. Yeah, it already know, has. Uh, th- this elk season, unlike all the others, where I've totally blundered it, mm-hmm. I didn't shoot an arrow at an elk this year. It's the first time. Right. Uh, it wasn't. It was just because they didn't get it, the opportunity. I didn't get the opportunity to shoot right. shoot it. And I can guarantee that if I would have got the opportunity, what would have happened is the same thing that happened in my blacktail hunt. Um, I'm wrapping the tag around something. Right. Um, so it's it's huge, man. And, yeah, I and mean, it, you've got to be able to predict your own future. Like, I mean, you know, shoot with Clay Hayes, you know, he's a phenomenal shot with yeah. his self-bow, right? And you want to do good around him, but you got to know how to do good. Yeah. Right? It's not that, you know, oh, my God, Clay Hayes is watching me or Joel Turner's watching me or whatever. You need to invite that. You need to shoot with people that cause you stress. If right. you've got, you got a friend that's constantly nagging you, yeah. right, you're like, hey, let's go shoot, yeah. right? And and you've got to use that, use everything you can for concentration practice, you know. And we saw the same thing in Clay today, right? He got up there, and it was, uh, I'd never shot with Clay before, right? right? And, you know, I've watched him shoot on YouTube a lot. I know he's a phenomenal shot. Right. And I watch him get up there and shoot a, shoot a fairly rushed shot, you know, not the shot that I've seen him shoot on YouTube. Right. And I'm like, well, what's up, right? And I told him, I said, hey shoot that arrow again, right? Right. And the second shot that he shot was completely different than the first. The second one was much more calm and much more refined and the clay haze that we all know. Yeah. And I asked Clay, I said, what's the difference? He said, I knew you were watching, right? So if he knows I'm watching, what did that cause him to do? It caused him to make decisions, decisions. to do it right or not do it. Whereas in that other shot, he's just like, meh. Right, I'll move, just I'll just, just do throw, this. Chuck an arrow down there. We'll go grab it and move to the next one. Right, you have to treat every one of these shots as the most important shot that you'll ever shoot. And what you're practicing when you do that is you're practicing making the decisions. So that and you can't ever expect these decisions to come automatically. No, you just have to know that you need to do those right. But your original decision has got to become so strong in you that you realize you're not going to shoot an uncontrolled arrow. Like, I mean, there's no way anybody's going to make me shoot an uncontrolled arrow. Yeah, people call it target panic, but um, everybody has it. Yeah, it's just and a lot of people subconscious making you more efficient. That's yeah, all it yeah. is. Yeah, it's like I, I, I try to tell guys, I'm like, you, you can diagnose yourself with it or not have it or whatever. You could kill stuff or don't kill stuff. Uh, you, you owe it to yourself. Uh, to get this training because it is phenomenal. I mean, it will change the way you shoot your bow. I mean, you can stare at a spot 
all day long. You could immerse yourself in aiming. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you said, uh, where are you going to shoot that 3D target? Uh, like the 12 ring would be nice. Yeah. And you said, just point to it. And so I yeah, point to it. That, that's it. I mean, you're of course you're aiming for that spot. Right. Uh, so how is staring it down any harder yeah. uh, going to make your arrow go there? It's it's not. Yeah. And when you understand that core problem in shooting, that your mind will not allow you to cause your body impact as a surprise. And if you realize that if you're thinking about aiming, you're allowing the subconscious to run with the core problem. Yeah. Right? That, that's it's huge, too. T- I'd like to speak to it. that. Um, you took out your cell phone and you stuck it right in my face. You're telling me about this uh, bracing for impact, and I'm going, uh, I shoot 300 wind mags, yeah. uh, 338s, sure. uh, you know, uh, 44 magnums. I've shot some big guns, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm good with recoil. Yeah. I can handle my recoil. Yeah, right. I, I chew that stuff up. Hey, right. Uh, so I, I'm like, okay, he thinks I'm getting recoil. I'm, I'm shooting a 35-pound recurve. Right. Recoil. Yeah. And he shows me the video. I look at the video on your phone, and after the shot, I grab the bow, and I blink my eyes, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You do that before the shot, right? It's pre-ignition. Yeah, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm back, and I'm getting grippy, uh-huh. and before, the, before the, uh, uh, it's even happened, yeah. I'm bracing for impact. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow. And I think it took three arrows. Mm-hmm. It, w- it wasn't very many, and it was the first time. I I, I think you and you filmed some of these too, mm-hmm. but my eyes were like l- like a deer in headlights. Yeah, I actually seen the arrow coming past me, uh-huh. and I watched it go all the way to that antelope target. Mm-hmm. I remember it was this antelope target at mm-hmm. Brent Hans, yeah, uh, on his 3D course, and I was like, holy moly! <laughs> I need yellow feathers. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's not yellow feathers. I, I, uh, I'm present for the shot now. Yeah. My eyes are open. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was unbelievable. Uh, and now every shot, mm-hmm. I see the arrow. Oh, yeah. The whole time. And it, it makes it so much more fun. If you guys think shooting stick bows is fun, yeah. uh, shooting controlled shots with a stick bow is the is best. The best. Yeah. When you get to shoot at an animal, there's no like blacking out and wondering what had just happened. Right. You get to watch the arrow. Yep. And you know what happened. Yep. And, you know, you get, and luckily for me, and the way I was able to do this analysis, because in that shot, that one shot in 2008, and that one shot in 2010, because I was cognitive in those shots, I was able to remember them. Right. Right. It's not that I just, you know, all of a sudden don't even remember drawing my bow back and the arrow all of a sudden appears behind its shoulder, right? Right. I knew exactly how I did those two shots, and I was able to compare them to the shots that I don't totally remember, right? Right. I remember job number one, but I don't remember job number two on any of those because I let those, I, I left those to the autopilot. You don't remember things. Autopilot's not a good. Right, <laughs> it's a very gray area. Yeah, he doesn't have a good memory, right? And right. he's a he's a string plucking bastard. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I th- I did I really didn't want to put the clicker on my bow, mm-hmm. but I'm sure glad I did. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are scared of it, it's not a. It doesn't have to be forever uh, for me. Uh, I I have no reason to take it off. Mm-hmm. But I talk to a lot of guys who seem like they think it's. Uh, taboo or they're scared of it sure it it will make you 
uh, so much better. It will teach you so much. Not just the clicker. I've uh, it, it, you have to have the instruction. Right. You have to have the mantra. Uh, you be able to make that decision. Yeah. You just you need to know the science behind it because right. you, what you get from a lot of people is they'll put a clicker on because they've heard that a clicker cures target panic. Right. Nothing cures I've target s- panic other than you making decisions. So and I've seen that on social media. Sure. And I and I and I send them right your way. I'm like, yes, you're you're you've got a, a good idea and you've diagnosed yourself mm-hmm. here, but uh, you need you need the instruction. Right. And you know you you get a lot of folks that'll stick a clicker on there or they'll try some psycho trigger to see if it works for them. Well, nothing's gonna work for you. You got to work for it, but you got to know how to do the work. But if you ask these people that they've got a, a clicker on for like two weeks and they're like, ah, I, I took it off. Well, why'd you take it off? Well, I, you know, it screwed up my shot or whatever. I said, well, what were you thinking about during, during your shot? Well, I was waiting for that clicker to go off. Waiting does not mean pulling, right? right. So if you're thinking about the device, yeah. your mind's never going to let you do that pull that makes it click. That's right? why you need the instruction yeah. because uh, if yeah, if you're anticipating a click, yeah. Uh, you are in left field now. Yeah. Uh, you've cr- you're probably creating more problems for yourself. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do, I remember that moment when you were like, or what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was like, um, I don't know. Uh, what am I supposed to think? Yeah. You're like, I, I said, uh, I think, I, I think this is going to work for me. That's what I think. <laughs> and you shook your head and <laughs> said, nope. Yeah. It is not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, great, what did I come up here for? Right, yeah. And and you're like, hey, or this will not work for you. And I was like, okay, uh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're going to have to work for it. And I thought, that made perfect sense. It was like, it, it I'm going to have to be present. I'm going to have to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed the game. It, it is, uh, I tell people, you saved my trad life. <laughs> I, I, was re- I was looking at muzzle loaders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I was like... Yeah. Uh, getting locked under target. I'm right. working super hard in the woods. Uh, my work ethic, you know, is mm-hmm. is right. I'm 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 getting on these animals. Right. Uh, and then I'm blowing it. Yeah. I and mean, I was there for so many years, and I've, you know, if people think that I was never involved in that, I mean, that's where this came from. I yeah. mean, I used to be five feet over a target and couldn't get any closer than five feet, and I would dump my bow arm into this target, right? I mean, I grew up shooting that way. It just got worse and worse and worse until I, I put a clicker on but didn't know the science, right? So I had mediocre success with that. And then I started into kind of figuring things out, and that's when I became a firearms instructor in law enforcement and started to figure out how did I get myself to shoot a precision round with a firearm. And, I mean, I remember my turning point with a firearm. So, uh, Tell that story where you're working with somebody in the, in the um, trigger press. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> uh, was it was it a gal or a, it was a new? Oh, shooting the floor. Shooting the floor. So I was working with a new recruit, and I did not. This is when I was a brand new firearms instructor, and this recruit there's, and this is not going to instill a lot of confidence in cops, but um, in the firearms program, we would start them off just trying to get them to press the trigger perfectly. However, as firearms instructors, we didn't necessarily know how to do that, so. I remember this recruit was standing at 20 yards and we get one of these in every class and we call them the nervous Nelly, right? And this person was had extreme shot anticipation. So uh, 
this person standing at 20 yards from the target and the bullets were impacting the floor at about 15 yards. So extreme shot anticipation, complete recoil bracing, and just yanking the trigger all in one giant motor program, right? So I'm watching this this recruit do this. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this kid to, to press a trigger? So I had him aim at the target but not press the trigger yet. And... I had I said okay, press the trigger until you feel it get tighter, and that's the slack spot it was shooting a Glock. So it got to the tight spot, and I said okay, are you ready? Right, it's just like that. Here I go, yeah. right? And I didn't realize what I was Critical doing at the time, second. right? So I said, are you ready? Uh, yes, sir. And the person was very nervous, right? So I said okay, start pressing the trigger, but don't make the gun go off. So I saw their finger move only slightly, and only. While I said that, right? right? So I'm looking at their finger move. I'm like, okay, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. And I'm looking. I mean, I'm I'm inches from their finger with my face, and I'm on the I'm on the driver's side of the gun basically. And I'm looking at that fingertip, and it's moving exactly how I'm saying it. And then all of a sudden, the shot broke. And that recruit shot that round in the ten ring and scared the crap out of them, right? Because they finally had that surprise break that we're always looking for, right? So I asked them if they were ready again. Oh, yeah, that one kind of scared me. I said, perfect, let's do this again. So then I talked him through another one, and he did the same thing, shot it right in the center of the ten ring. Then I had that recruit say that, say those words to me, and I I didn't kind of realize what I was doing at the time. I was simply using words to get them to concentrate on that specific movement. And that's when I started to figure out the how of concentration. And this is where the mantra was born. Yeah, that's where the mantra was born. And, you know, it's been used in human culture forever, in martial arts and everything that we do. Concentration runs through speech. So, so I'm going to share a st- I don't know if I've shared this with you. So after our, our uh, first meeting... Mm-hmm spent the day shooting and you got me uh, lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to my uh, guys I shoot with indoor Wednesday nights in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a friend of mine. He's got target panic really bad. Mm-hmm. And he's not a locked under target uh, like I was. He's a short drawer, Kay. right? He can't come to full draw. Right. Even though every bow he make he has made for him, uh-huh. he wants it uh, 40 at 30 or 55 yeah, at right. 30. He's <laughs> right. got this 30-inch draw, supposedly. Yeah, right. Um, but I've never seen this man draw his bow more than 22 inches. Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, he's learned to sure. kill some stuff and hit S- some targets, yeah, right? Subconscious is really good at aiming. Right. Yeah. And so he's, and he thinks it's all hoopla and he doesn't want to talk about target panic. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you folks, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> old dogs can learn new tricks, I promise. Sure. And he's closed minded to it. So what I did was I thought of this story and, mm-hmm. and he goes, uh, he's, He's bad talking it. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, that's fine that you're hitting the bullseye, but I'd like to see you draw that bow back all the way. I just called him out. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, well, sh- you tell me how far I'm getting that arrow. You know, So he allowed me to get up in, into his space. Uh-huh. And I got up into his space, and I got into his ear. Uh-huh. And he started drawing that bow back. And I got in there, and I said, keep pulling keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. And I watched him go 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. 
And at that point, he started shaking like a leaf. It's probably he's been shooting a bow a long time, and I bet you it had been many, 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 many moons since he'd been back there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I brought him all the way back to full draw, and poof, that shot went off and hit it just perfect. Uh-huh. And he looked like a deer in headlights. <laughs> he did not know how he had done that. <laughs> and uh, I said, "See, I don't want to talk." And he was offended. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, man, there's so much more to this, and I, uh, I've i got this guy that can help you. And it, he was scared. Yeah. But it was amazing that I – there's no, I've sat here and seen him say, draw the bow back. Telling himself before he shoots, right. draw the darn bow back. Right. And I got him to full draw yeah. quick with the mantra. Right. It, yeah. it, it, it's awesome. This this stuff is uh, – it, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, when, I mean, when he was saying that to himself, that was his decision, right? That was his original decision was right. just to get the bow back. But because him getting the bow back equaled the explosion, his subconscious will never let him do that. Right. So he would make that draw the bow back statement as a decision. But again, the original decision doesn't last all the way through the shot. Yeah. Autopilot requires three hits to kill it. It, it seemed like magic. I mean, I could not believe I just using a mantra in his ear. Oh yeah. He drew the bow. What you say what you say is what you think. So if your system is affected easily by people talking, that means that you're not talking to yourself louder than they are. Right. Right? So, you know, being able to fight, we talk about the fight all the time, right? When I have I have people in the initial stages if they detect an error in their thought process, I have them evaluate that detect it as an error and let it down, right? But you can't let down these shots on these critters, right? So you have to fight. You got to know how to speak and when to add aggression to your speech, right. aggression to your mantra to give that movement a little kick in the hiney. And the mantra is not easy. It, it's, after I left, I caught myself not using it like, okay, I've got this clicker. I got right. this feather to the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you, The subconscious wants to throw things right. out. And so I caught myself uh, in there in the first couple days like, I want to enjoy shooting my bow, uh, using this in my head. Mm -hmm. And when I watched my friend, when I used the mantra on him, Mm -hmm. once again, it was like another turning point. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems so simple. It seems like, like, you know, Guys will come to you and pay you for this instruction, and they're thinking, "Well, that's all you gave me." <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I hope they don't think that. But no, but I mean, it, it, yeah. it's not. It, it, you're not. You're not. Um, all I'm teaching people is, I'm teaching them answers. It's very to, complex, but it's it, it's uh, simple. But, but it's simple. It's simple, it's, but it, it's not easy. Right. It's so. simple, but it's not easy. And so I didn't mean it, mean that at all, folks. Because yeah, I I re- I think everybody owes it to themselves to do this, and. It it plan out. It just works. Yeah. The reason it's not easy is because you are fighting a natural system, right? Your subconscious has a learning process, and it is always the goal of the subconscious is always efficiency, not accuracy, right? That gentleman that was shooting, not getting to full draw, that's way more efficient than my shot, right? Sure. But it's not accurate. It's not as accurate as as my shot might be. So. You know, you have to realize that it's always, that's the goal of the subconscious. Always, always. So it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, I'm just teaching people how to 
do these things, how to how to counteract. We got a young man here that's got a squirt gun, pal. Please don't, don't squirt us. We, we don't got squirt us, there, pal. We'll, you'll electrocute us. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Go 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 squirt some kids. See you later, pal. Awesome. <laughs> so, that's it. You know, I mean, it's it is simple, but it requires these decisions that are totally against nature. That's why it's so difficult. So. Well, that, that this is all really, really good stuff. I appreciate you sitting down here and sharing yeah, this man, with I'm, us. This is my life, man. I'm I'm on a life quest to rid the world of target panic. <laughs> uh, I, I like that quest. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I started Trad Quest because I, I really want to uh, share traditional archery with yeah. everybody. Uh, I want to um, help educate them uh, through uh, mentors like you. Yeah, I appreciate and, it. And so uh, this is this is huge. Um, why don't you leave us with uh, some a love that we both share in the blacktail deer? Um, m- maybe just I don't know. S- tell us a blacktail story. Tell us a, a you know I love blacktails more so than anything. So I've got a great story from last year. So Brent Hahn gets me set up in his you know the the secret honey hole, and I know there's a bunch of bucks there, and I I was sitting there one day in this giant two-point is standing in front of me and he's 10 15 yards big fork like, and horn yeah big fork and horn i'm like oh man that oh. thing is awesome if, if you're a but blacktail it, lover but i know but i know he's a young deer if he was an old big fork and horn i right. would have i would have whacked him but i don't think this deer will ever be anything but a fork and horn but and i was thinking about it and thinking about it and i i'm like no and i passed him up and so Finally, on the second day that I sat this stand, I was in the blind for 10 hours. And I try to stay kind of limber when I'm sitting in these blinds because, you know, you get kind of stove up. And it was 40 degrees, and it was kind of misty raining. And and I just I was into deer all day long, and I knew there was a four-point there. And it's been my life quest to shoot a four-point blacktail. And I've, I've never done it with my bow. I, the first buck I ever killed with my rifle when I was 12 years old was a monster four-point. And uh, I've never been able to equal that. So, right. And I knew there was a good four-point coming in there. It's a tough so, challenge. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, last light, all the deer there in front of me leave. And they leave nervous. And right. I know there's nobody else, no other people there, right? And for, for Whitetail folks, when he's saying two-point or four-point, we're yeah, talking one side. One <laughs> side. One we're, side. Talk, we're talking yeah. four on both sides. Right. right. Uh, and, and not all, not even all mature blacktails carry that. Right. So. Right. So all the deer leave and they go up the hill, which was, which was weird. And they, they come right past the blind. And I, so I knew something was, something was happening. And sure enough, here he comes and it's the big daddy, right? And he comes right down. And I had drawn my bow back about five times that day. And I shoot with my thumb, and if people don't know this about your thumb, it doesn't let go like your fingers do. So when your hand gets cold, you know, you have to be very cognizant that it might not let go in <laughs> here as well. So that buck comes in, and he's standing five yards oh, in man. front of the blind. And he's facing me, right? And I have no problem shooting that frontal shot on him. And he's he turns his head and looks up the hill, and I'm like, oh, man, I could see the pocket that I needed to shoot. And he's five yards, right? So, you know, I say my original decision, I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or I'm not going to shoot it at all, right? Right, and uh, 
you've been trying to get a four-point blacktail for 20 years, it sounds oh, like. Oh, at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's I'm 40 years old yeah. now, and I've been hunting. And, and I know you are an elk nut like yeah, me, right. right? Like, elk is the funnest there is. Yeah. But we're sick for blacktails. Yeah, God, like, I love they're those. They're number things. one. Yeah. So, so this thing is five yards in front of me, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is going to happen. But you can't go into that going, I've got this. It's easy, right? I had to make the same decisions, right? Even though it was only five yards, I had to make those same decisions. So right before I draw my bow back, I'm going to shoot this shot perfectly or I'm not going to shoot it at all, right? I pick my bow up. I start to draw my bow back. I'm going to do this right. Half draw moment. I got to full draw. I've got the perfect sight picture. Here I go, right? The critical second. Here I go. And I start pressing on my ring finger. And I'm pressing on that thing. And I'm I'm screaming to myself, right? I'm screaming my mantra. Keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, knowing that when that thing pops, I'm going to have the, the buck of my dream. And this is a grip right? sear. Grip sear, right? So It's like a, a clicker yeah, kind of li- setup. A little mylar washer on the front edge of my grip. So I'm pressing through this thing. When that thing pops... My thumb does not let go, right? And it about yanks my shoulder off because my hand had gotten colder than I thought it than I thought it did, right? So I shoot this shot, and at five yards, I miss that buck by at least five feet. What? Yeah. So, well, because I my thumb didn't let go, so it was like a giant collapse, right. and then it lets go, hits the fiberglass pole in the blind, and lands five feet from this buck with a fire knock on it right so, so you are at least human i yeah. thought i thought uh, so at, joel was made out of like at last like well it's not that i didn't have control of my shot it's just that my i have to be cognizant of my hand temperature i mean if it gets too cold so i got to be really careful with it right and i've been sitting in that blind for 10 hours and so not as an excuse but i missed that buck and it, he ran away right and he ran downhill. I'm thinking, well, that was awesome, <laughs> right? I better get another arrow just in case, think, right? You didn't think that was awesome. It, well, I'm like, God, I know exactly what I, that, that has happened probably three times before in my life, not on critters, but on, on uh, you know, tournaments where I got cold or whatever. So um, I knock another arrow. The buck comes back. Big blacktail buck. You never get more than one shot at these things, right? No. So this buck comes back up the hill because all those does had went up the hill. But when I shot, the arrow was on his right side. He ran downhill. Downhill. downhill the does downhill, wanted right? to go up. Does were up. Mm. So here he comes. I'm like, huh? By God, I'm going to get another shot at this thing. So those of you that have shot out of ground blinds know that things look farther than they really are out of a ground blind. So last light, that buck comes up again, and I'm thinking... That's 25 yards, right? And he stops right in front of this big, huge maple clump. I'm like, that's 25 yards. I'm going to smoke him. Same decision. Shoot the shot perfectly or not shoot at all. Draw my bow back. Half draw. I'm going to do this right. Critical second. Here I go. Pressing through that sear. Pink, it pops. I shoot a perfect arrow. And it goes right over his back. Because he was only 20 yards away. (laughs) So I shoot a perfectly controlled arrow. But it goes right over his back. He runs downhill again, right? Oh so I'm my thinking, goodness. well, now that's that's awesome. I've had this buck of a lifetime at five yards. I miss him. I get another perfect shot at him at 25 yards, and I miss him, right? Not so awesome. Right? But he ran downhill again. So then here comes a doe down the hill, 
Like, hey, big boy, we're up here. So I'm now fidgeting to get another arrow because I only had two of them set up out of my quiver. So I grab another arrow out of the quiver. I knock it, and here he comes again, right? That doe went down and got him and brought him past. Like, well, mister, I'm going to show you what's in this blind right here to get you off my tail, right? So... She goes down and gets this buck and brings him right past the blind again, 15 yards. Now he's moving. I'm going to stop him at 15 yards. Uh, He's coming through my windows. I'm at full drive, made the same decisions. I'm not going to shoot him moving, right? So he gets to the last window. Luckily, I'd practiced my stop sound and my shot sequence, right? So I was out of my anchor, and then I make the stop sound. Once he stops, that's when I get in my anchor, get my aim, and then make my final critical second decision and start pressing through that sear. So he gets to the last window. I'm at full draw. He stops. I'm like, all right. I get my aim. Here I go. Keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. Pink. And I absolutely smoked him. Three shots. At the black tail of my, oh of my, my dreams, bro. And the, he went about 100 yards and keeled over. The black tail gods love you. Oh, they, well, I don't know. They haven't loved me for a long time, but now it's starting to come around. So, well, that is awesome. I'm going to uh, keep that uh, story and <laughs> cherish it. I mean, that is, uh, it was, it was epic. And, and, uh, they were all, I mean, if, if it was a shot where I hadn't got through my sear, then it would be an uncontrolled shot, right? right? I don't have any control over things. I mean, because your release is a subconscious action. So if my thumb didn't let go, it just didn't let go. You know, I mean, I've I've had, you know, people like, well, why would you shoot with your thumb then? Well, if you got to see the sight picture that I get to see, you would all be shooting with your thumb. <laughs> that That's so. awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much, Joel, for oh, joining me. Thanks for having uh, me. Thanks for taking me under your wing. Yeah, cool. uh, You know, giving me the opportunity to shoot with you and hunt with you. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky and fortunate to call you a friend. Uh, so thanks for being you and, and keep... Uh, you know, helping all these people because yeah, it's uh, my it's my life quest, man. I I've got to do it. I just I it frustrates me to see people shoot with target panic. If you guys are you know thinking about it or considering it or you know and you're gonna put it off till after season or or put it don't don't put it off anymore. I, I promise you, you owe it to yourself to get this instruction. Get a hold of Joel. Uh, sign up for his online class. Buy his book. Get his DVD. And find a way to meet this guy in person. <laughs> it is, uh, he's the real deal. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to leave you guys with that. And uh, let's get back out there and do it some more. Yeah. Let's go shoot, man. All right. Thanks. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, Blueberry. Check me out on my website at tradquest.com. Next week, joining us. A good friend of mine, Andy Ponce from Addictive Archery. We're going to talk deer hunting, wood arrows, and more. And always, shoot straight.